You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Lord God, now with your word open before us, we ask that you would speak to us of your truth and of your grace. You would lead us in this Advent season to a special understanding of your coming into our lives and into the life of this church. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray together. Amen. Our lectionary text for this morning is Psalm 122. It was one of the Psalms of Ascent. Fifteen Psalms were designated in the Psalter to be sung and prayed as Israel's pilgrims moved to Jerusalem in the celebration of Pentecost, Passover, and the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a special season, and people gathered together and moved to Jerusalem for a special time of worship. We have remained in Christ as a congregation of sojourners, living in this world for the sake of Christ and his kingdom, acknowledging that we have a king and a Lord, and living into the grace and peace that Christ has given to us. The Apostle Paul spoke of that sojourn when he said, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have already taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. The Psalms of Ascent have meant a lot to me this past year. And in the study of them, in the study of the 15 of them, some scholars believe that they have been grouped into morning, noon, and evening prayer. Fifteen of them, there's five sets of three, a way for the pilgrims to sort of plot their spiritual journey to Jerusalem. Psalm 120, and boy, if you have your Bibles open, this will be helpful. Psalm 120 begins, I call on the Lord in my distress. And the thought here is that usually the first psalm in the sequence is an understanding of the difficulties and challenges that lay before the believer. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. So in the morning, we understand what is ahead of us and the challenges. And this set of psalms begins, Save me, Lord. And that really is the first word for the pilgrim moving to the presence of God. Save me, Lord. We understand that we cannot save ourselves. We are not self-sufficient. It doesn't work for us to depend upon ourselves. We turn to the Lord for his mercy, for his forgiveness. This is where the journey begins. It's always begun here for the people of God. And the psalmist says, save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. 
And I'd like to think that the prophet Isaiah picked up on this psalm of ascent. Isaiah comes most likely after this psalm was written because he pronounced six woes against his culture, a culture of nominal believers, maybe in name only. And he pronounced these woes, these six woes, but reserved the seventh woe for himself. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And one wonders if he isn't citing the psalm here, that the one thing that's picked out about the culture is this duplicity, this deception, this untruthfulness. And Isaiah says, save me from myself, as well as from the culture. In the fifth verse of Psalm 120, Woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I live among the tents of Kedar. The psalmist is not a literalist here, because Meshach was at the northernmost region on the southern border of Russia, Kedar in the southern Arabian desert. And these two places stretch sort of the known uh, civilization for the psalmist, as it were. And he sees the world as antithetical to God and to a dependence upon God. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace. Or I'm peace. But when I speak, they are for war. The psalmist combines a need for salvation, save me, Lord, with shalom. Peace and salvation. The longing of the psalmist setting out on journey. Psalm 120 is distress. Psalm 121 is deliverance. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We lived in uh, San Diego for 14 years, and our horizon was uh, the ocean. But before that, we lived in Denver, and our horizon was the mountains, the Rocky Mountains. For some reason, the limitless horizon of the ocean has never really spoken to my soul. But living in Denver and looking up at the mountains always had the effect of making me feel small. But small in the right kind of sense. Small in relationship to the greatness of creation, to the greatness of my creator. Picture the sojourner moving to Jerusalem and in the morning, in the afternoon, lifting up his eyes and looking at the mountains and thinking, I got to get over those. I got to get over the challenges and the crises that these mountains uh, speak to me metaphorically of. Though also, the mountains may have been indicative of the high places, the pagan shrines. He's going to have to get over that. Where does my help come from? And it comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And the voices in these psalms are interesting because in verse 3, he's being spoken to. All three psalms begin personally. I call, I lift up. But then he's spoken to. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you, 
will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord keeps you. Five times Yahweh is mentioned in this short psalm. Five times he's watching and keeping. I certainly don't believe that the psalmist thought that the people of God live trouble-free. In fact, just the opposite. I think there's just as many non-Christians and Christians on heart medication. I think we are just as subject to mental illness and cancer and relational difficulties. But the point of the psalm is, in the midst of that, we say to one another, the Lord will keep you. The Lord will watch over you. And it's precisely because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can say that to one another. In the ultimate keeping sense, it is the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead that we have hope in that everlasting security. Leslie Newbigin was asked, he's that Anglican missionary statesman from India for many years and then did most of his writing when he was in England. He said, he was asked, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? And Newbigin responded, neither. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At noonday, the Israelites thought of God's deliverance. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He'll watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Distress, deliverance, the final psalm, our psalm for today is doxology. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's a sense in which we need one another to rejoice in being in the house of the Lord. We live in such an individualistic culture. We are so self-willed, so self-centered, self-preoccupied. The psalmist rejoices in the fact that they are saying to him, Let us go to the house of the Lord. And Advent is such a great time to be the people of God in the house of God, worshiping God. I think the author of Hebrews picks up on this psalm because he likes the expression, let us. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Let us draw near to God with a glad and sincere heart. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us with our eyes fixed on Jesus. It's not just that we attend church, we belong. This is our fellowship. This is where we break bread and celebrate the Eucharist. This is where we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. This is where we join together in fellowship. The psalmist speaks of the structures of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. 
That is where the tribes go up and the tribes of the Lord to praise the name of the Lord according to the statutes given to Israel. There stands the thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. The people of God at that time had a physical, geographic center. Now it is not so much a place as a person, the person of Jesus Christ who embodies forth all the promises that were contained in that physical structure, in those rituals. Jesus Christ embodies forth the promise of God in the presence of God. And that structural language is taken over by the apostles. They speak of us as members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I picture Jesus praying this psalm, entering into Jerusalem for the last time. He'd walked a hundred miles from Caesarea Philippi down to Jerusalem, and the last two miles he rode on a donkey. Fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy, your king comes to you riding on a donkey. This is the one that was said, a child will be born, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and you will call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And Jesus wept coming into Jerusalem because, as Luke tells us, the people did not recognize the day of the Lord's coming. So on this first Sunday of Advent, we look forward to the second coming of Christ. We bask in the reality of his first coming. We live in that wilderness sojourn between the two comings. We live as a people marked by the cross, living for the Lord. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is not a peace we can achieve on our own, just like we cannot achieve our salvation. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Shalom is that priceless gift, which we couldn't earn, and we don't deserve. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.